Welcome to American Conversations. Today we have Rich Barris of Big Data Poll and also the peoplespundit.com slash locals, or is it dot locals, Rich? Which uh, is dot locals. Okay. So uh, Rich, most people don't know, was I, I think the most accurate pollster in 2016. Is that correct, Rich? Uh, and uh, also- oh, yeah, of those who polled nationally and at the state level. Excellent. And you did pretty well in 2020 also, I understand. We so, were the most accurate again. Lightning well, strikes twice sometimes in the same spot. So tell me why uh, the world doesn't put your polls out. That's the big question. You know, you know, it is a good question. I think I'm, uh, you know, I came into this thing not as a, um, you know, not as somebody who was in the club and as mm-hmm. a vocal critic. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I also directly challenged, you know, Todd, all the election forecasts that were out mm-hmm. there. Uh, you know, basically, we watched it for years. We did things ourselves privately, polled privately, mm-hmm. and it was always lopsided in one direction. So when mm-hmm. I when I came into this thing, I didn't come in to make friends. I came yeah. in to say, you know, this stuff is being manipulated on purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. At some point, we had a discussion about methodological problems because the world is changing in the modern era. It's very different to poll. Not everybody has a landline anymore. It's not as simple as random digital dial. The world of Gallup is over. You know, George Gallup's world is gone. So we need to evolve. And there was a time for that conversation. Uh, Mm -hmm. But clearly they didn't want to have it and they were doing it on purpose because Mm -hmm. it favors their narrative. So Mm -hmm. I think I, you know, part of this, Todd, really just boils down to I did not come in trying to make friends. I think I angered a lot of people mm-hmm. and, um, and, and then the track record, you know, is like adding salt in a wound. Yeah. So you've been polling uh, vaccine issues. You know, we've been doing this American conversations on uh, vaccine injured patients. Christine has been yeah. phenomenal with that. And also in medical tyranny and what's happening there with a lot of the medical professionals, you've been polling a lot of vaccine injured statistics. So I just want you to talk about that and, Tell us how you did it. Methodology you used too, Rich. Yeah, first I've been watching uh, your series since we when we got we've been polling vaccination status for a while, but we started to pull adverse events. um, You know, basically to see if there was something more we might be able to add to the conversation. Series like yours, other people have been doing a lot of research. Myocarditis, especially on boys ages twelve to sixteen. And it just didn't seem to jive with the VAERS reporting system, which we've had a lot of people come to us with complaints over as a, as a math guy they wanted me to look at. Mm-hmm. So I decided to add this. And, you know, as far as methodology goes, uh, that's a big, you know, I could talk probably for hours about why we are more accurate and what, what we're doing differently. But mm-hmm. I would break it down like this. Different people, different groups of people respond to different modes of collection, how pollsters speak to somebody on their cell phone, on their landline, on the internet, all at different rates. So you could speak to a liberal easily on their cell phone in a live caller interview. They have no problems. Uh, In fact, they are dying to give you their point of view, but you cannot get a conservative or a working class man or woman uh, to spend 20 minutes on a live caller interview. They just don't want to. Everybody is different. Their behavior is different. And you really have to acknowledge that. And I think that's a major part of it. Um, you know, and we we also randomization is out the window. 
right? So, you know, the idea that we do still, it is technically random sample, but the fact of the matter is the minute you go to a voter file or the minute that you go to a different mode over another, like the cell phone over live, random randomization is going out the window because these are now different populations of people. And the idea behind randomization is that every one that you are trying to reach, it has to all be the same. All other things must be equal. And that's just not true anymore. So once random yeah. digital yeah. dial to landlines ended, so did randomization. Well, that's true. I mean, I have, um, everybody in my world knows this, but you know, I had a flip phone until 2020 because I didn't <laughs> want to get sucked into Texas and everything and I'm doing just fine. But um, then I had some dear friends tell me, no, that doesn't work. And now I have friends that just text or just on Telegram or just on email, and it's driving me crazy. So <laughs> I, I appreciate what you're saying. The world has changed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, All right. Yeah, it has indeed. Yeah. And so because of that, and I think that it's an interesting point, you have to really find the niche of how do you communicate with those people that you believe. And so how did you find all these people that had these adverse effects? So we have been in the, uh, what's what, what people see there, the locals community. We've yeah. been doing, and we started this, got some great press on this from Tucker Carlson in the New York Post. But before 2020, we started the public polling project. And it's basically the first ever uh, successful publicly funded solely by the public uh, polling project. So we don't have, you know, any corporate interests that we have to worry about. Or, um, and people would basically choose what they wanted us to poll, what state they wanted us to do. They would discuss what questions they wanted us to ask. And I'm the pollster, so I have to do it right. I have to design the survey right. But it's an educational thing. So we have been polling um, vaccination status since the vaccine became available for EUA through the public polling project. And we've been at, we were ahead of Kaiser. We were ahead of the, even the CDC putting out official stats. So, uh, you know, as far as who has been vaccinated, who uh, intends to get vaccinated, and then who has no intention of being vaccinated. Those are the three designations that we use. Um, and then starting Labor Day weekend, really, we knew the boosters were coming, so we added the intention for booster shots, which we'll be adding as now that they're available to some people. We'll be asking about that as well. But then also the adverse effects. And we mimic the CDC and the FDA. If you have a mild adverse effect, it means you. It, it's not so much the symptoms, but it did not interfere with daily activity. Maybe you got a cold, a chill, uh, you were achy. A little short of breath, but you still carried on with your day. The same way the CDC classifies it. Moderate being it did uh, hinder daily activity. And then all the way down to even severe where it prevented daily activity and you needed perhaps uh, medical attention. So we expected, given VAERS, to maybe find 1% with severe adverse effects. We did not expect to find nearly 4% of the population that wow. has been vaccinated telling us they had a severe adverse effect. And guys, this ranges from everything to, uh, you know, from uh, serious skin reactions, sore limbs, uh, to the point where the limb use was, uh, you know, not in effect for 24, 48 hours, all the way down to it, what we hear uh, more commonly, which is issues of myocarditis, Bell's palsy, um, it was, it really was uh, concerning, but also 
there was a very clear relationship between age, also gender, and race. The younger you are, the more significant of an adverse effect you had. How many people did you get that were under 20? Yeah, so do we have some of these uh, stats, the, the yeah, by age? Yeah, hold on. Let me... Uh, yeah, if, And the reason why I'm bringing up the, the, the uh, children is because the system is going after the kids now. And I think yeah. you know, for the grandparents and the parents and the school boards, those are headlines local on the local level. The, the, the age one is up, Rich. Mm -hmm. The age one is up. All right. This is perfect. I mean, we did do this in at, at the time. It was really 18 to 29 uh, when we had put this out. But this is a pattern. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, the blue is, is 65 plus mm -hmm. all the way down to green, which is the total. But the younger the more uh, you see it get go from a light pink to red because it keeps progressing the younger the age group. Three and a half percent in the 45 to 64 category is just about the national average. A little bit older than that, you actually get less severe adverse effects. But as you go down, working people, 30 to 44, now we're at 5 percent. 18 to 29, now we're at 6 percent. Um, so this is the pattern across the board. And it's true of both men and females, except um, looking at the wide range of potential adverse effects, females were much more likely than men, even though both, you know, as you go down the age spectrum, both uh, start to report it at higher rates. But females were actually more likely than men to say they had a severe adverse effect. And we found some really weird stuff, guys. Um, you know, if you're a younger woman who has given birth, you know, so you have kids that are uh, school age children or below, uh, that is a very high risk category or at least high risk compared relative speaking to what we found. If you're a Hispanic woman, uh, you're much more likely to report an adverse event than a Caucasian or African American woman. Uh, but in general minorities, they have more adverse events than whites. Um, so I, you know, it was really explosive findings, but I think there's a lot more that we need to to unpack there and study. It's the tip of the iceberg. Do you iceberg. think that is the reason why a lot of the, or part of the reason why minorities don't want to take the vax? Maybe this is getting, the word of mouth is getting around. I mean, what, do you yeah. see any evidence of that? Yeah, I, I think that that's, pro, that's a really good bet. And soon we're going to start to ask and add some more questions to try to, to figure this out. Because from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, white voters, white American adults, we're much more likely to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and get the vaccine. I'm going to go get it right away. Then the next month we would speak to them. And yes, I got both shots. Um, but the African-American, Hispanics, even uh, Native American, Alaskan, uh, Pacific Islanders, you know, much more smaller demographic groups, but still minority groups, with the exception of Asians, um, they were much more hesitant than any other age group. And as time went on, I think what we saw, Todd, is that coercion does have an impact. So if you're mm -hmm. afraid you're going to lose your job or you have no choice because you want to stay in your university, so you have to take your, you know, you have to get vaccinated. Many people who did not trust the vaccine still took it because they had no choice. Yeah. And now they're reporting to us that they did, you know, it was like their greatest fear come true. They did have a problem. So uh, I do think there's value to what you're saying. I, mm -hmm. I, I think in the beginning, they, they were like, look, <laughs> you're not going to use us as the guinea pig. Uh, but then as time went on, they were forced to.
they didn't really have a choice, many of these people. Um, you know, 25, 22% had told us overall they did not want to get it under any circumstance. And that had been consistent for six months. 30 plus percent, 30 to 33% would tell us that they, they had no confidence in the safety or the efficacy of the vaccine. So what does that tell us? There are people who didn't think it was safe or effective who still took it because they had no choice. Was um, it because they had no choice or was it the lottery? Uh, you know, I think a lot of most of it really was uh, the people we spoke with. If, if they're younger and they're college students, they had no choice. They had to do it. Uh, travel. A lot of people told us that was a big uh, top. That was a top cited reason as well. I have to travel. I don't want anybody giving me a hard time about where I go. Um, you know, so I, I really think it was uh, restrictions or at least the anticipation of these restrictions coming. And there is another group that didn't want to take it, but did to get over this thing. So they really believe this idea that if we all just get these doses, then things will go back to normal. And we're seeing this now with the booster data, which is if they tell us they've been vaccinated with the two shots from Pfizer, we then ask them about their intention or their status with the booster. And 20% more, a little bit more than 20% tell us they're not getting the booster, that they took those two shots, they did it out of in good faith, and they were told that, you know, we would go back to normal if they did so. So now this booster being imposed on them every six months is just too much for them. It's too much. So this is a whole other question that we're starting to, you know, open up as, as we move forward. Will these people stick to their guns like we do see about 20% of the American public sticking to their guns saying, I'm not getting the original two shots. I'm not doing it. Well, now, Rich... When they have, when in your polling, have you asked them if they're if the event if they have severe adverse effects, is their insurance going to cover all of it? Because yeah, we, we that, yeah, that's that, a good. That question. is that's not happening, and they don't have the money yeah. to pay, and their insurance sometimes is not going to pay for a ten thousand dollar IVIG. That's a great that's a great idea to add because we are having a series of, you know that we're going to add now moving forward now that we're asking about adverse effects that's a good suggestion we haven't asked that yet but that is a good suggestion because uh wouldn't be surprised at all based on what we're we're told I don't know if people are being encouraged not to deal with this but it does seem like we wanted to know why our numbers were were higher than what we were seeing in VAERS. Mm -hmm. And we have spoken to people who told us, look, I went back to my doctor, whether it was severe, mild or moderate, and they just blew it off. Yes. You know, we just spoke to somebody the other day, uh, 13 days after the second dose, he's got a twitch in his mouth and his, his mouth keeps falling and he's concerned about Bell's palsy. He mm -hmm. went back to his doctor and he said, look, uh, what's going on here? And the doctor basically didn't want to hear it. That's what he, that's what he told us that yeah, I told him be very yeah, interesting to find he's out. He's not alone. He's not alone either. Doctors are blowing them off because we're yeah. picking up on that. Yeah, he, he was, he was definitely not alone. Um, we, uh, this is new now and we have seen some research on this mm -hmm. menstrual cycles being either interrupted or restarted. Restarted after Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. and and, and doctors don't know what to tell them. Who is sixty, 
And she stopped having her periods 10 years ago. And since she took the shots, she's having her wow. periods. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and I'm that, hearing from yeah. the 20, 30, 40 women, many of them are telling me it's heavy flows. So, I mean, not to get too graphic here, but I mean, we yeah, it matters. It matters. It matters. So and then we hear about kids that are around vaccinated kids who are having issues with their periods and they're not, they're unvaccinated. All right. So the question of shedding comes up and I don't know the, I don't think anybody knows, you know, yeah. about that, but I think that's the best answer. Sometimes I really do. I think, I think mm -hmm. the problem we're having today is that so many people are pretending like we have this knowledge about all of these, so many of these different topics. And the truth is we really don't. Um, you know, we just, we just kind of move forward with this. And I, for me, one of the biggest things that jumped out of our findings was really age jumped out first because, you know, both, I'll be honest, both my children had COVID. They, well, all three of them actually I have a young Todd knows. I even have a little young. They kicked it in two days, you know? And, and to me, what concerns me is that the younger you get, the less at risk you are from severe disease with COVID. So why, if they're more at risk for adverse effects, would we be pushing a vaccine on them if the numbers, and this is, we're not getting stratified by age, good, solid data from VAERS and the CDC. We're not getting that. So I strongly suspect they're seeing what we are seeing, which is the younger people who are less at risk are having more problems with this vaccine. So it's the complete backward think, it's, it's complete backward thinking that we would want to force these children or encourage parents to have their children who are young, six to 11 now, now we're moving into six to 11. I don't know. I want to hit, you know, to me, um, they're, they're not, they're not at great risk of serious disease. It doesn't seem, it seems to me that there's more of a risk with the, the adverse effects and the vaccine. Not that it seems it appears to be in the numbers. So mm -hmm. I trust the numbers. I trust the numbers uh, our work, the work that we do and what we we came up with. And I trust them a heck of a lot more than I trust the CDC or doctors to report correctly to theirs. Many of a, many of these doctors, you know, tell us, you have any idea how long it takes to fill out a VAERS report? Every time somebody comes to me with a twitch or a, you know, a fever, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, it's, it's just not practical to run to VAERS and spend 40 minutes doing it. And that's no way to conduct data. We have collect found, data. We have found in the interviews <clears throat> that many times when the patients ask the doctors to report to theirs, they tell the patients, "No, it's your job." <laughs> yeah, I, I we we've heard that once or twice, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of doctors tell us they have nurses that they delegate that to. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're just very busy and it's the role of nurses. And then when you, you speak to those nurses, they'll tell you that that's, you know, kind of a, you know, what rolling downhill scenario right. and that they shouldn't be doing that. They have their own work to do. So it's just this catch 22 and they're going around in a circle and everybody is being told that all is all, all is well. Uh, we looked at the most recent VAERS update. Even if you were to consider how badly VAERS lags, we are not talking about similar numbers. What we found is basically for every hundred million, uh, you know, people who got vac vaccinated, two doses, you could expect about four million 
to have severe adverse effects that prevent daily activities. That is not close to what we're seeing in VAERS, which is already concerning. But three and a half, four percent uh, for you know people watching. Do the math real quick. That is a, a scary number of people. I mean, we're being told it's zero point zero zero, you know, down the line. That is not what we're finding. So, Rich, yeah, should I put one of the other slides up as far as age or race or gender? Yeah, I mean, by race would be great just to drive that home. Yeah. Yeah, uh, look at look look at the difference in um in it's 40 uh 42 percent overall who have mild adverse effects 16.6 percent who had moderate and again back to that three and a half uh number which is rounded up but we like to do tens to be to be precise mm -hmm. um and if you look down that line todd look at uh hispanic and latinos three times almost more likely to report an adverse effect so to us um it wasn't for lack of a sample size you know, we always oversample each group. Uh, this was uh, significant. And when we nested that with gender, by the way, both men and women were at a higher rate than the nation overall. But female Hispanics uh, were the single most age, um, I mean, uh, gender and racial group. Uh, they were the single highest risk for adverse effects. So, uh, so again. Here's the, uh, here's the gender slide. Is that now? Yeah, here's a perfect example down the line here. Females uh, tend to be you know, m more likely to report adverse effects. Look at the second to last column, 4.7 compared to 2.4, um, you know, which is, it's concerning. You know, we were just talking about disruptions in mental, menstrual cycles. Uh, I, I think, I just think there was a lot of work that needed to be done here before these we're in basically the largest state, you know, phase three trial in the history uh, of vaccinology. And it's the public, you know, that's being tested. Numbers like this would derail any other vaccine. Well, historically, they would be For taken sure. off the market. We'd be yeah. taken off the market. It'd be gone. Yeah. That's it'd right. It'd be gone. So we're not following the, the, the traditional protocols at all. Um, yeah. I agree. What, are you, what are you finding um, when you're talking to the men about why they're not reporting? You know, the younger you get, uh, the higher that is. So what we find is that with men, anywhere between that, that 40 to 64 and 65 plus is so much lower than the younger men that it brings the overall number down. But when you get into younger groups of men, we do see it, which is, you know, uh, again, very concerning because you're looking at women who are higher than men, but still exhibiting the same pattern with age. So there's something to me, I, like I said, I always trust what I see in uh, my own research. And it is very clear that even though men may appear to be faring better, when you're looking at the 18 to 29 and 30 to 34 categories, they are much more likely than the nation as uh, overall to report an adverse effect and a severe adverse effect. So what does that mean for the groups that we didn't look at? Will right. that pattern continue as we go down to teenagers and preteens, which they're coming after next, right? Um, and, and from other research we have found, that's very likely to be true. And in fact, with some of the research, it's, you know, prelim, of course, you know, it's all very early here, but 
and the, some of the other research that we have seen may suggest that boys will be worse than uh, females at, at a certain age. So 16 and below, that starts to reverse. Uh, th that's terrifying. I'm, you know, as a parent, that's terrifying. I can, sure. I just, I don't know how anybody can not objectively look at this and say, wait a minute, let's pump the brakes. Well, think of so, all the boys it. who are jocks, you know, yeah. and if they, something happens to them, then, then their whole, their lives about sports just gets washed away. Yeah. Rich, yeah. can we put out, have you published a lot of this data yet on your own? Side uh, you know, I mean, you can, you, you can absolutely uh, put it out. We have not put it on any site or anything like that. Okay. We just shared it with the locals community. We, I did, you know, tweet about it extensively and put, put it out with uh, links. Uh, but no, it has not been on another site. Todd, I'll tell you what, people are scared to cover yeah. this stuff. They're yeah. terrified. I had somebody who's a statistician who has just been reviewing how the, you know, P PR is uh, with, with, with uh, COVID in VAERS compared to prior uh, functions to report to the, to the VAERS system. And he simply, he wanted a very simple poll. He went around to different outlets asking if there was, you know, a pollster they could refer them to. Nobody would touch, touch the issue of adverse effects. They Why? wouldn't go near it. Why? What They're scared. What are so afraid of? Scared I guess being smeared. Yeah. What are they being so smeared, afraid? being deplatformed? I don't know. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. I've Luckily, never been on Facebook. <laughs> so. Luckily, we're, we're, we're deplatformed already. So we <laughs> yeah, I, 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 mean, the, the, <laughs> I mean, is it the rejection? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, I, I have never had a, a huge problem with YouTube, but the minute that we started talking about that, uh, we had problems. And I knew when, you know, the locals uh, community wanted to do it, you know, I told them they're going to they're going to come after us if we find anything out of the realm of, uh, you know, what what they have been telling us should be the numbers. And of course you can see in those, in those graphics and on the, those cross tabs, mm -hmm. they are not even close. We're talking more than quadruple what we're being told. Um, so yeah, I just expected to have them come after, you know what they do first, instead of coming after, they just try to ignore you. They just try to mute you, you know, just like they do with other doctors that we have spoken with, um, you know, to, to get some input on this, you know, to how, and really we just wanted people to help us understand, right? Right. And, you know, that they, these just are people the who have been in the, just the facts, right. And these are people who have been in this field for years, respected for years, uh, but they get no uh, platform. They get no voice because they have a, I don't even know if I'd call it a dissenting point of view. They just have an open mind to discussing, you know, the potential, uh, you know, the harms. I mean, really, um, what, what, there has to be a downside. What does this translate politically for Biden? That's a good question. You've seen it, right? Is, over yeah. a period of time. Yeah, this is, that is a good question, especially with minorities. I think you're going to have some uh, breach of the trust there. They are um, much more hesitant. It's not a matter of availability. That's the media's favorite way to frame these uh, these debates. 
It has nothing to do with availability. African-Americans and Hispanic and Latinos and urban centers could easily go down to a Walgreens or a CVS just like we right. can. The vaccine is free. Uh, they don't want it. And they don't want to be forced to get it to walk into a restaurant, wherever it may be. And we already see that uh, Biden is being, he's taking a hit. And it's not just the vaccine. I think that they're the real potential for uh, danger for politically is in the mid to long term, because I really don't believe you can hide this forever. And I think in the end, they're going to get very, they already are getting very aggressive with forcing people to do this. We are speaking to people who did not want to take it, but are being forced to take it. Um, and in the future, someone's going to have to be blamed for this. And I would tell, and I have been saying uh, over and over, you know, we, we see the former president constantly out there taking credit for Operation Warp Speed. And I get that. But I think there's a big risk in that. Yeah. I would, you know, in, in the future, someone is going to pay the piper for this one. And he, he would be uh, better off just admitting he made a mistake right now. And, and, I, I, yeah. and wiping the slate clean and say, look, I got manipulated. I, I thought this was a good idea. I was wrong. Or, or at least the way they're implementing it, I was wrong. You know, okay, so if somebody has comorbidities and is high risk, maybe it'll reduce the symptoms. But that's a small percentage of the population. And that, yeah. you know, Todd, you know, with the, what you just brought up, I, mm -hmm. I think you're, Americans can forgive you for a lot if you're honest. Mm -hmm. They really can. If, you, mm -hmm. if, if you're honest with them and you have a come to Jesus kind of moment, mm -hmm. they'll forgive you for a lot if they feel that you're being genuine and authentic. And yeah. I think that uh, you just brought that up, uh, you know, which basically is, you know, if they had some kind of comorbidity and it's less uh, disease from being vaccinated than they expected, everywhere we go and everyone we speak to, and we have been speaking to the developers of these vaccines, it was never the goal to reduce disease. That is a government goalpost shift. It was the goal to prevent infection. And this idea now that, well, Which it was it designed do. for out. <laughs> what was that? What was that? It, it doesn't do that. It spreads it. It doesn't do it. I mean, yeah. it's transmissible. Yeah. They are. Yeah. They told, and this is why Trump, there's real political danger here for the president, former president to do this. It is clear from the people we spoke with, uh, at Pfizer and other places, they told the government. This is why we don't have vaccines for coronaviruses. Just to warn you, we'll make one for you. But this is why we haven't done it in the past. We can, you know, it can lead to other variants. Uh, the thing will change. It'll be more, it'll, you know, turn to, whoa, whoa, that whoa. was the risk. Wait a minute, Rich. You're saying that the drug companies are admitting Absolutely. Uh, they, they have, they have been admitting this from the beginning. They have told them this, that this is the risk to these vaccines. And that is, it's it really was common knowledge for coronaviruses, which well, is why we don't have vaccines for them. Some of us know that, but that's not what Fauci said. That's, that's right. That's, that's so true. That's not what Collins has said. And even yeah. on the White House faith-based phone calls, that's not what they're saying. They're yeah, telling people that's very true. that they want the churches to hold events because they're places of trust to validate the vaccine.
So they're not, I mean, I mean, how high up the ladder does that go? Yeah, I think some of these people are being manipulated. Uh, you know, like Pastor Jeffries in uh, Texas, he's on board with that too, I know. Um, you know, you stay in your lane, Pastor, stay in your lane. Because you, you, I mean, you really want to risk losing the trust of your congregation um, for something that, you know, is, is, isn't historical first. And I think people, this gets lost in this conversation a lot. This is a, a historical first. But they have all said these are safe. Yeah, they have. That's, that's they the have. narrative. These are safe. They have. And, you know, going back, you were talking about Fauci, going back to some of the, the complete contradictions with the drug companies in what the, the summer before the election, when uh, Donald Trump was still president, Fauci made a, with well, a president had made a comment saying that he thought we would get the vaccine uh, before the new year or in the beginning of the new year. And Fauci came out that summer and, you know, basically told everybody how long it has taken for vaccines before we can tell you, I can tell you with certainty, he already knew the timetable for the Pfizer vaccine and the emergency use authorization. He knew it. So he knew what the former president was saying was true. He just decided to contradict him at a, I don't know, political reason. I can't get in the man's head, but I think he opposed the president politically and he did whatever he could to make him look stupid and foolish. And if that meant lying to the public, he had no problem doing that. Uh, you know, so this, I, you know, this idea Fauci didn't know about um, issues with some of the uh, the report, even before VAERS, before the vaccine was given emergency use authorization. They still had to give submissions to the FDA that basically it was it's called the Adverse Impact Monitoring Service. And this is to be given before you get approval or, or, or authorization. And the numbers, the claims that we were hearing about this, you know, degree of efficacy and this degree of safety. Uh, it was just bunk. It was just totally bunk. Oh, and I think the yeah. numbers have changed over time. And but now they moved the goal exactly. And now they have moved the goalpost since those original claims. And you know, so I hate to be such a cynic, but after a while, you have to say to yourself, you know, who do you trust more? Do you trust the research you're doing, or do you trust the government who has been lying consistently for you know two years now, almost over this pandemic, to be telling you the truth? And I, they're. Where are you going to take these polls in the future? What are you going to focus on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, there's a number of ways that we can go. I, I, I think that the boosters are going to be the number one focus moving forward. Um, but also, with I'm trying to figure out how we could get a younger sample as we move forward. This, this is very concerning to me. Normally, we stay to the 18 and above. Uh, because we're looking at adults and registered voters. That's our wheelhouse. Uh, but we need to figure out how to get this sample a little bit younger because uh, I, I, I hate to say it, I don't want to be right, but that kind of a trend that we found from the 18 uh, all the way up to 100, that's that's how old some of the respondents can be in these polls, um, that, that trend is is going to continue. So as we get into younger, 6 to 12, 12 to 16, whatever it may be. This is, uh, I fear it will continue. And I want to, I want to uh, keep going with it so we can either confirm or, or, you know, God willing, not confirm it. But I just, I think we probably will because 
that's a clear trend. I mean, anybody who looks at that, it's a very clear trend. Younger you are, the less at risk you are for serious disease, but clearly the more at risk you are for uh, experiencing an adverse event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know how you're going to get, it. tell the public, how, well, how big was your sample? About 2000 overall, um, mm -hmm. which is what we track monthly to, we, we talk to 2000 people monthly and, uh, it does, you know, do we, when it comes to the sample for boosters, for instance, that's only going to be about 1700, 1800 on a given month, because some people will tell us they're not vaccinated or they're not fully vaccinated. Right. So, uh, you know, when we, when we look at questions specifically like that, it'll be a, a it'll, th that sample will shrink after a while, but, uh, yeah, about 2000 every month, sometimes, sometimes more than once a month, but it's been at least a month for about, well, since the vaccine came out. Do you think, you know, one of the barometers here is that there's, um, 600,000 plus deaths from the disease. Okay. Yeah. And, and because if I was hit by a car in 2020 and died in the hospital, I may be COVID, okay? So just with those numbers alone, knowing the, the discrepancy that's out there, what you're finding is 4 million. Yeah, that's right. All right, so that means that there's more adverse effects than there are people who have died. And I think, and you know, we'll hopefully have something on this soon, but looking at that disparity and really, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a, a glaring inconsistency because it does, it just doesn't make any sense that we would be pushing this vaccine if these numbers are potentially that, that hot, especially when we're looking at a specific group of the population that's at risk for serious disease, the vaccine can hurt anybody. Right. Even though that's more likely to hurt certain groups of people, according to what we found, it still can hurt anybody. So we should be making these decisions based on yeah, it's like a cost benefit analysis. So I'm looking at these numbers and the disparity and at least some of that can be attributed. I do think we're now starting to see them pack vaccination deaths. People who have actually perished from the vaccine, I think, are getting misclassified as covid deaths. And what maybe soon, I don't want to jump the gun here, but soon hopefully we'll have something on that because there really is no other way to explain some of this. Um, but again, even if we, we were to, um, it, it, that's not enough. So there's something going on with the VAERS system. It's not a, a matter of lagging data. Uh, they, they are not being reported as they, you would expect. And of course, they're required by law to report them. But there's just way too many people that we have spoken with. And I'm sure you guys have spoken with in the series you, you've done. I'm sure you've come across this as well. They just simply aren't doing it. You know, they're just not doing it. So, and I think this group is, though, because among themselves, they encourage each other. You know, they um, are, yeah, among themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A but when they ran back to their doctor, it's very complicated. So a lot of people don't finish it. That's yeah. That's another part of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we've talked yeah, to many huge. people who have, I mean, the process is long, you know, um, and complicated. Yeah. Well, Rich, we, when you get to this uh, new data, we want to have you back on and maybe on a regular basis and talk about this as it develops because Absolutely. this is obviously a trend. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, w- without a doubt. I, I, I really mm-hmm. can't wait to see what we find next month. We're going to continue, um, you know, a- asking these questions over and over and expanding on. And mm-hmm. at, at some point, um, you know, they they mute the voices that they can or try to. Uh, but at some point, you know, the more we get vaccinated, the more the population is vaccinated, the more people are going to talk to each other. The more, I mean, if it's going yeah. to come out, Mm-hmm. I don't know how, yeah, how you could possibly hope to hide something like this. So, what about like uh, in Israel, where they've had you know ninety percent vax rates, and you know yeah. they're on their fourth booster shot? There's got to be a mass of data there to analyze, and I guess they're just suppressing it, right, or what? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, we're we're taking a look at Israel now. I honestly am starting to trust Israel more than the CDC on some of their, uh, you know, I, I really am. I just don't think that Israel. Um, has some of the stuff that we're looking for right now, Todd, at least mm-hmm. not yet. Um, we have some early stuff, especially now that they're having uh, their booster use is more widespread. They're making a lot of, uh, of this data available. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking that uh, they probably, if you were Israel, would you want to go against the United States on something like this? So especially if you decided to take, um, you know, the vaccination immunity approach as opposed to natural, they have almost no natural immunity. Would yeah. you really want to go against the United States if your numbers show uh, something very different than what the CDC and the well, FDA their, are their claiming? Their death rate is, it, it's, is climbing rapidly, isn't it? As far as- It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. And it doesn't appear, you know, we keep hearing the president here call this the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Eventually that, that is going, that lie is going to collapse too, because yeah. it did in Israel. They tried that, you know, mm-hmm. and they're a couple of months ahead of us. They tried that and it didn't work. Um, and we already, we, we're starting to see some of that here as well. I mean, more than half of the people who are really sick in Miami right now who need monoclonal antibodies are vaccinated. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, this is the more that people do get vaccinated, uh, the more we're going to come into contact with these other variants wind up having more variants down the road and people are going to get sick. Uh, vaccine you know, I, I remember, is, is not what they believed. I remember months ago or a year ago, there was conspiracy theories, you know, running around that vaccinated people were going to shed and they would be one of them, you know, a risk to people in the future. And now it's happening and, yeah. and that they would bring new diseases. So the new variants, so that is happening. People were right about that. You know, that they yeah, are I, the threat. You know, and, and, and Todd, I mean, it's not like we didn't have some doctors who have been in this field for a mm-hmm. long time arguing that saying, you mm-hmm. know, just worry about the very, you know, the really vulnerable at risk population. Mm-hmm. You know, we should not, there, there are dangers, uh, you know, in the, the strategy of trying to have 100% vaccine immu- immunity with all different age groups, even people who are not at risk. And they pointed those dangers out. People chose not to listen. We yeah. just went, you know, we, they just chose not to. There is yeah. some hope here. There is a lot more uh, dissent in the in the medical community today than there was two, two, three months ago. Can you and po- without you a doubt? Access, can you poll those people? Do you have access to that? Medical that people, you mean? Yeah. That would be interesting, and yeah, I could because we do we we can target people based on uh, occupation. That is interesting, and also we could compile. I mean, there's so many people who are public at this point. 
we could compile a list of people that we'd like to to talk to and uh you know you guys have given me a lot uh, you know a lot to think about here that would be a really cool project well there's really no different than doing a small business um owner survey or something like that that we've done in the past that's not only that but the doctors are telling the patients they don't know how to do anything with this when they walk through the door and they're injured and they're going to alternative they're finding acupuncture and other you know alternative medicine is helping yeah i mean if you're a doctor in this environment what do you do if you have um what do you do if you have patients that are coming in and and reporting these you know these adverse effects to you in this environment do you really want to be the doctor you know just like they did with certain treatment drugs certain drug Mm -hmm. treatments you know generic look at those doctors who were on the front lines and said, you know, there may be value in in treating patients early with these drugs. And they were just completely targeted for destruction. So it must, it just must be a very difficult place to, to be a doctor. Well, (laughs) not not only that, but I mean, when, when in the world did we tell people stay home until you can't breathe? Yeah. So your lips turn blue. Right. It, it, yeah, this, this was a pandemic is, at first. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. Totally nuts. Well, I was going to end it there, Rich. Did you want to say something? I was just going to say that I think, uh, you know, you nailed that. I mean, it really, and it goes with so many other things. This is the uh, first time in the, this is a pandemic. Is, it's, we, we had a playbook for pandemics. And with this one, we just ripped it up and did, and seemingly did everything that the previous playbook said don't do. And for some reason we decided this had to be a historical first, you know, we got a his for the first time ever, the government has to shut commerce down for the first time ever. We all need to stay in the house. And, you know, it, it, it's just crazy. It was, a, it really I'd, is a first on so many levels. I'd like you know, to wasn't, uh, ask the American people and poll them as to what they think the reason is behind the vaccine. I'd like yeah, to know we, that. We, yes. Yeah, so so far, <laughs> trust and efficacy has been a big one. And uh-huh. we ask, and the scale is a great deal of trust, uh, quite a lot, uh, mm-hmm. not very much or none at all. Mm-hmm. And when we first started asking that, about 50% had a great deal of trust. Now, today, that's down in the 30s. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's still pe- more people trust it than don't. But that distrust, you know, those indicators that they distrust it are rising and the intensity is against it. So mm-hmm. the none, the none at all is swelling while the while a great deal of trust is falling. So mm-hmm. I think over time, you know, that's that's the beauty about asking things uh, the same thing every month because you get you get a track record and you get to watch a trend occur. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter what they do. You know, reality always wins and things are things are going to come to light. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Rich. That was extremely interesting. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, maybe in a month or so, we'll have you back and talk about what you're finding. Thanks. All the best, guys. Sounds good. All the best. Take care.